Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Man, do we have a lot to cover, and only the way we can, of course. We've got the impeachment hearing, such as it is, where staff lawyers are talking to staff lawyers. And most members, particularly the Republicans, cut out of the process. We've got the IG report, where virtually every radio host in America was slobbering and waiting. Ah, this is going to be the big one, the big one. And I told you, watch out. You're dealing with a, an Obama appointee, Michael Horowitz. There's stuff in there, no question. You can't avoid that. But as I told you when the Comey report came out, this guy's taking his finger off the prosecutorial trigger. Because Comey, in my view, should have been referred for a criminal investigation. We talked about that, and he wasn't. But it's very interesting what's going on with that report. And we're going to get to that very quickly, too. And then, of course, my interview with Professor Alan Dershowitz on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday night, where he was incredibly compelling. And here's what I want to show you. Then we're going to move into the other issues. That interview, and forget about me, in which Professor Dershowitz, a longtime member of the ACLU, a longtime Democrat, laid out in exquisite detail like never before because he had time to do it. The case against what the Democrats are doing did not appear at the Drudge Report. It did not appear at Mediaite. It did not appear at the NBC, MSNBC, ABC, CBS websites. It was not quoted or played on my favorite cable channel. Because it is the narrative that they apparently don't want to hear. I understand he's not Joe Scarborough. I understand he's not a judge from New Jersey. I understand he's not a former federal prosecutor. But that makes it even more remarkable. He's a liberal Democrat who voted against Trump. And you might say, well, we heard this already. Those of you who watched it know that nobody heard his explanation during the better part of an hour explaining his approach to the Constitution and impeachment. There were sites that did link to it, and what's important is to get this information out. I don't need their support. We got massive ratings regardless. But he provides... A very, very important explanation 
of impeachment in the Constitution in the historical context, as did I, as we did together. But it was utterly unworthy of the vast majority of news sites on the Internet and unworthy of quotation by newsrooms across the country. And these are the same newsrooms who look for opportunities to attack me and to take out of context what I say, whether it's the New York Times, the Washington Post, what have you. (coughs) Excuse me. This is the game they play. But luckily, we have modern technology. So I want to suggest, if you didn't see the program, we have linked to it, as have others. Mark Levin, Facebook.com. And Mark Levin, uh, Facebook. Mark, excuse me, Mark Levin Show, Facebook. And Mark Levin Show, Twitter. I've got so many sites, it's hard to remember. And you can go on the internet for the full show, if you like. But quality, substantive discussion from people who actually know about the Constitution, the impeachment clause, the history behind it, British common law, explain it, bring it up to modern times, talk about Andrew Johnson, talk about Richard Nixon, talk about Clinton, talk about the processes, unworthy of virtually every newsroom in the country. Instead, it's gotcha all the time. Instead, it's how many hits can we get on our sites? And this is what people are sick of. They're sick of it. Which is why the show does so well, because we don't do that. I want to get into this Inspector General report. This report took a year and a half. Why? He has hundreds of people working for him, Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General of the Department of Justice. Hundreds. Took a year and a half. Unlike a U.S. attorney, he doesn't have a grand jury to work with. He can't issue subpoenas in the course of, say, a criminal investigation. He can't force people currently outside the Department of Justice to cooperate. What the hell took so long? And he came up with a report about as long as Mueller's report that says some stunning things. In the first respect, it says he could not find any political motivation. That is shocking. And that's BS. Absolute BS. If the motivation to take out Trump wasn't political at the highest levels of the FBI and beyond, then what was the motivation? What exactly was the motivation? Good government? Moreover, and contrary to that, he finds significant evidence of abuses of the FISA process. They just kind of happened, you know. They happened against Carter Page and essentially the Trump campaign. So according to the vast majority media, everything's fine. FBI's fine. Maybe they can kind of reform the FISA court and so forth. But, of course, Trump is a liar. His supporters are liars. There were never spies, and on it goes. But the U.S. Attorney Durham and the Attorney General of the United States say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We don't see things that way. 
And you see, the U.S. Attorney Durham and the Attorney General Barr have access to information that Mr. Horowitz does not. Because their investigation is a criminal investigation. Now first, let's talk about what Horowitz found by way of Politico, a liberal so-called news site that helped break open the story about Ukraine's interference in the 2016 election. I'll get to that in a minute because Ted Cruz has been eviscerated over this. Yet Ted Cruz kicked Chuck Todd's ass all over the television. And of course, Ted Cruz is correct that the Ukraine did in 2016 try to interfere in our election, as did Iran, as did China, as did Russia, as did North Korea as did the Obama administration and the Clinton campaign. First things first. Politico. Watchdog report rips FBI handling of Russia probe. That's their headline. Josh Gersten. So Josh will be looking for a job soon enough. A highly anticipated Justice Department review of the origins of the federal investigation into potential collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, found no evidence of political bias in the launching of the probe, but identified an embarrassing slew of inaccuracies and omissions by the FBI that marred requests for court-ordered surveillance of a former Trump campaign advisor. So there was no motivation, just incompetence. Anyone here really believe that? Mr. Horowitz, that's awfully silly. Now, a lot of these fools in the media, these legal analysts and hosts, saying, you see, Trump was wrong. This is their problem. Even Horowitz talks about the FBI failures when it comes to FISA. These are civil libertarian issues, ladies and gentlemen. This is very, very important when it comes to protecting individual liberties. There's no defense lawyer in front of this FISA court. It's all government all the time. The judges, government. The prosecutors, government. The FBI, government. And so when an inspector general writes a report like this, it's not, see, Trump was wrong all along. This is, whoa, wait a minute. What the hell were they doing over there at the FBI? This is in the best light. The report from the Justice Department Inspector General Horowitz also revealed for the first time that the FBI used a confidential source to approach an unidentified high-level Trump campaign official in September 2016 who was never the subject of any investigation. The approach revealed nothing of value to the probe the review found. So, it goes on. Horowitz's review did not find any indication the FBI planted anyone in the campaign, as President Trump has claimed, but it does bolster that campaign officials were repeatedly the focus of outreach by, quote, confidential human sources, unquote, seeking to establish whether the campaign was colluding with Russia. This is shocking. This is stunning. First of all, I'll wait for the criminal side to tell us, one way or the other, since they have access to more investigative tools. We just talked about that. But let's leave it for what it says. Now let's look at this. The FBI repeatedly, repeatedly reached out, reached out to confidential human sources. That's the phrase, quote unquote, in the Trump campaign. To 
to try and determine if they were colluding with Russia. They found that they were not. And yet they continued. They continued to extend this FISA application. Here we are in the course of it. It says September 2016. The general election is two months away. Here the FBI is interfering in the election. Flat out. There's no spinning this. What the hell is the FBI doing? What the hell is the FBI doing with quote-unquote confidential human sources seeking to establish whether the campaign was colluding with Russia? And why didn't Comey reveal this during any of his testimony? Now listen, this is what Horowitz does, and he kind of candy coats it. Now the report finds those tactics complied with existing FBI policy. Really? So, confidential human sources seeking to establish whether a campaign colluded with Russia, the report finds these tactics comply with existing FBI policy. That's either BS or it is stunningly worrisome. But the review contains withering criticism of the preeminent law enforcement agency for, quote, basic, fundamental, and serious errors, unquote, in handling of the surveillance applications for campaign advisor Carter Page. Wow, what could those be? So no political motivation, they were just doing it. No spies, but the FBI had human, confidential human sources. Oh, okay. Clean bill of health, right? Quote, we are deeply concerned that so many basic and fundamental errors were made by three separate hand-picked investigative teams on one of the most sensitive FBI investigations, this is the report, after the matter had been briefed to the highest levels within the FBI, even though the information sought through the use of FISA authority related so closely to an ongoing presidential campaign. And even though those involved with the investigation knew that their actions were likely to be subjected to close scrutiny. Let me get this straight. Human resources, confidential, repeatedly contacted during the lead-up to the general election in one campaign, the Trump campaign, looking for Russia collusion, finding none. Repeated failures, violations, in pursuit of the FISA warrants, which were continually extended. Shockingly, serious errors, basic, fundamental, serious errors in the handling of the surveillance applications. And so close to an election, so sensitive, the FBI knew it would come under some kind of scrutiny at some point, but none of this is motivated by animus. None of it just happened. The report goes on. We believe this circumstance reflects a failure, not just but, but those who prepared the FISA applications, but also the managers and supervisors in the crossfire hurricane chain of command, including FBI senior officials who were briefed as the investigation progressed. What? Senior officials were repeatedly briefed about this, but never fixed it. In other words... They gave a rubber stamp to it. You can see how Horowitz bureaucratizes all this. You know, 
pushes it into the murky world of the bureaucracy. This is not about bureaucracy. This is about a hit job on the President of the United States. This report, if you understand it and read it the way I am portraying it to you, is a disgrace on the senior management of the FBI and the FBI and its interference in our election. More when I return. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College, and to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, U.S. Attorney Durham and the U.S. Attorney General Barr take issue with this report, as damning as it is, of what took place. Mr. Horowitz and his bureaucrats at the Department of Justice bend over backwards to try and depoliticize what took place. But the criminalization of politics is not something to decriminalize. It is something to expose and confront. So Horowitz did a grave disservice to the American people in this respect because it empowers the bureaucracy to do it again. Of course, they won't do it to a Democrat president. They will do it to a Republican candidate. Moreover, Mr. Horowitz was unable to question, I assume he sought, individuals who used to serve around the President of the United States, or for that matter, the President of the United States. And I'm talking about Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama, and the other mobsters, I mean the other staffers that surrounded him. You won't want to miss... What I have to say, Dorm and the Attorney General, next. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. 
At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. So I just saw that Paul Volcker passed away at 92. This shows you how fleeting life really is. I dare say half the country never heard of Paul Volcker. (laughs) Excuse me. And yet he was... A crucial player during part of the Carter administration and Reagan administration. The Federal Reserve. And helped bring out inflation in our monetary system. And he passes away. And it's a quick hit on TV. Notice that, Mr. Producer? Quick hit. Now let's get back to impeachment. Let's get, get, get back to... And the, the, the former uh, federal prosecutor, let's get back to that guy. It's really pathetic. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, couldn't find the damn cough button. So John Durham doesn't agree with some of the conclusions of the inspector general, the Obama-appointed Horowitz, and neither does the attorney general. And, of course, they have access to far more information, which makes this particularly interesting. And as it was written up by Tobias Hohenhout over there at National Review, U.S. Attorney John Durham issued a rare statement in the wake of the release of the DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz's Monday report, stating his office does, quote, not agree with, unquote, the report's conclusions regarding the origins of the FBI's 2016 Russia probe. That's a big deal. I have the utmost respect for the mission of the Office of Inspector General and the comprehensive work that went into the report prepared by Mr. Horowitz and his staff. Dorm's statement reads, However, our investigation is not limited to developing information from within component parts of the Department of Justice. That's a big deal. And he goes on. I'm looking at it. Based on the evidence collected to date, and while our investigation is ongoing, last month we advised the Inspector General that we do not agree with some of the report's conclusions as to predication and how the FBI case was opened. Now this suggests that under the criminal investigation, which is obviously broader and deeper, they have found motivation. They have found motivation. Now, I'm not making predictions. I'm just looking at what I'm reading and reading what I'm looking at. Horowitz's report ascertained, as they write at National Review, that the FBI had an authorized purpose for opening its investigation, contradicting President Trump and his allies, who routinely cast the entire investigation as a partisan witch hunt. Yes, we do. 
but also found significant inaccuracies and omissions in the application. But Dorham's statement challenges the report's assertion that the FBI was acting properly in opening its investigation because it received information from a, quote, friendly foreign government that former Trump campaign foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos received dirt on the Hillary Clinton from Russia. So in other words, Trump and the partisans and his allies could be right, you know. Given the low threshold for predication, that is, you need some basis in the AG guidelines and the DOIG, we concluded that the information provided by the government, the United States intelligence community deems trustworthy, and describing firsthand account from an employee of a conversation with Papadopoulos was sufficient to predicate the investigation, says the Inspector General report. This information provided the FBI with an articulable factual basis that, if true, reasonably indicated activity constituting either a federal crime or a threat. It's unclear which government the report is referring to, but in May 2016, former Australian diplomat Alexander Downer said, it goes on. So Dorm's not buying this, and he must have additional information. The Attorney General is not buying this because he knows what Dorm is doing and has access to the information. And remember, the Dorm investigation was upgraded to a criminal investigation not that long ago. Not that long ago. And Dorm has been working at the Department of Justice for 35 years. He's considered nonpartisan. His National Review points out in Bill Barr's past statement, he was selected by two Democratic attorneys general to do sensitive investigations for them. He's a by-the-book kind of guy. I'm not hanging my hat anywhere. I'm just telling you that Mr. Durham has publicly disagreed about the origins and the purpose of the initial aspect of the 2016 investigation. You don't need to read tea leaves. He just told us that. And so did the Attorney General. So I thought you'd find that interesting. And it's more than interesting. Raises very uh, very serious questions about the Inspector General because the Inspector General raised these issues with Dorm and Dorm told him. That's not our conclusion. Let's see, over at Right Scoop, Dorham issues statements saying he does not agree with IG report conclusions. So they'll start attacking Dorham as a partisan hack, even though he's not. Of course, they've tried to take out Barr, because Barr is a strong, straight shooter, and they can't have that sitting in the, in the uh, <clears throat> office of the Attorney General of the United States. Let's see any other aspect of this that matters. I want to move on now. Well, let's hear what the president had to say. I do want to move on. There's so much to get to here. It's a matter of of uh, adjusting this. Now, Mr. Producer, I'm going to pull up the audio here. I'm going to do my best. I want you to listen to Cut 11, the president of the United States. Go. Well, they fabricated evidence and they lied to the courts and they did all sorts of things to have it go their way. And this was something that uh, we 
can never allow ha- to happen again. The report actually, and especially when you look into it and the details of the report, are far worse than anything I would have even imagined. What they were doing and what they would have done if I didn't make a certain move, a certain move that was a very important move, because it would have been even worse if that's possible. And they might have been able to succeed. This was an overthrow of government. This was an attempted overthrow. And a lot of people were in on it. And they got caught. They got caught red-handed. I look forward to the Durham report, which is coming out in the not-too-distant future. Uh, It's got his own information, which is this information, plus, plus, plus. And it's an incredible thing that happened, and we're lucky we caught him. I think I'm going to put this down as one of our great achievements, because what we found and what we saw, uh, never, ever should this happen again in our country. And he's so right. And it still gets yawns. The FBI director today is Christopher Wray. I have no regard for this man whatsoever. He's worse than a bureaucrat. Now, having heard what you heard in the statement from Durham, and having heard what you know about the Attorney General of the United States, where they know there's more, and they disagree with this aspect of the IG Horowitz's conclusion with respect to the motivation for the investigation, right in the teeth of a general election. Listen to what the current FBI director says to ABC News today. Cut 12, go. What's the biggest takeaway and the most important takeaway from the report for you? Well, I think there's a number of takeaways that are important. One, that we fully cooperated with this independent review. Two, that we fully accept its findings and recommendations. Uh, Three, that the inspector general did not find political bias or improper motivations impacting the opening of the investigation or the decision to use certain investigative tools during the investigation. Now, this is incredible to me. This is incredible to me. Is not the FBI assisting Mr. Dorm in his criminal investigation? And Mr. Dorm disagrees with the Inspector General? As applies to the beginning, certainly the motivations of the beginning of this investigation? Now, Mr. Ray has to know this. He's the head of the FBI. He's the current FBI director. And his people are working with Mr. Dorm, and they're working with the Attorney General. And I don't think one of the great takeaways is that they cooperated with the Inspector General and they accept this report. That's kind of stupid. Of course you cooperated with the uh, Inspector General and accept this report. But this also tells me Mr. Ray isn't doing a hell of a lot to get at the bottom of anything. Go ahead. Including FISA. Including FISA. But that the Inspector General did find... Uh, a number of instances where employees uh, either failed to follow our policies, neglected to exercise appropriate diligence, or in some other way fell short of the standard of conduct and performance. That- yes, he made a criminal referral from one of your lawyers who uh, altered supposed evidence. Uh, that's a big deal. Go ahead. We and that I, as director, expect of all of our employees. But again, we are, and I am, ordering 40, over 40, corrective actions to address all of those things uh, in a way that's robust. That's fine. You can order 440. But if you're not going to accept the fact of the motivation or even show any curiosity and praise the inspector general who claims there was none 
when the U.S. attorney and the attorney general have access to criminal investigative material, say, uh, not so fast, and you're the head of the FBI, it makes me raise questions about this guy by this mumbling, bumbling FBI director. Of course, Chuck Schumer, Chuck Schumer was thrilled with this report. Cut 13, go. For years, President Trump and his Republican allies in Congress and the media have speculated wildly about deep state conspiracies against his presidency. They're based on the claim no, 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 you don't understand. Of course there aren't any. Not at state, not at CIA, at the FBI. No, ladies and gentlemen. All conspiracy theories by the president, all deep state. Deep state loves the president, working with the president, working for the president. McCabe, Stroke, Page, Baker, Comey. Oh, yes, Brennan, Clapper. During the course of the campaign, all this nonsense, the National Security Council, Vinmin, the so-called whistleblower, his friends who left the Trump National Security Council having been Obama holdovers and going to work for, for Smith, uh, for Schiff. Oh, the president's just imagining things. The same. Chuck Schumer, who warned him early on, yet you don't take on the intelligence community, not if you want to survive. I'll be right back. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades... The college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now here is the Attorney General's statement which has received very little attention, and yet he's the number one guy of the Department of Justice. He said, nothing is more important than the credibility and integrity of the FBI and the Department of Justice. That is why we must hold our investigators and prosecutors to the highest ethical and professional standards. The Inspector General's investigation has provided critical transparency and accountability. His work is a credit to the Department of Justice. I'd like to thank the Inspector General and his team. The Inspector General's report now makes clear that the FBI launched an intrusive investigation of a U.S. presidential campaign on the thinnest of suspicions that, in my view, were insufficient to justify the steps taken. It is also clear that from its inception, the evidence produced by the investigation was consistently exculpatory. Nevertheless, 
The investigation and surveillance was pushed forward for the duration of the campaign and deep into President Trump's administration. In the rush to obtain and maintain FISA surveillance of Trump campaign associates, FBI officials misled the FISA court, omitted critical exculpatory facts from their filings, and suppressed or ignored information negating the reliability of their principled source. And that is this steal. The inspector general found the explanations given for these actions unsatisfactory. While most of the misconduct identified by the inspector general was committed in 2016 and 2017 by a small group of now former FBI officials, the malfeasance and misfeasance detailed in the inspector general's report reflects a clear abuse of the vice process. Vice is an essential tool for the protection of the safety of the American people. The Department of Justice and FBI are committed to taking whatever steps are necessary to rectify the abuses that occurred and to ensure the integrity of the FISA process going forward. No one's more dismayed about the handling of these FISA applications than Director Ray. I have full confidence in Director Ray and his team at the FBI, as well as the thousands of dedicated line agents who work tirelessly to protect our country. And he wants to thank the director. I won't thank the director, but the key here is this. William Barr, like U.S. Attorney Dorham, they ain't buying it. They know other things. The thinnest of reads, even if you take the report at face value, there was no basis for this investigation. And everywhere they turned, they found the information exculpatory, that is, that there was no collusion. And what's the next step in our analysis here, ladies and gentlemen? This was used as the basis for launching a special counsel investigation against the President of the United States. These baseless accusations, the exculpatory findings, the misconduct of these FBI officials were all used to promote the appointment of a special counsel whose purpose was to take out the President of the United States. This was the silent coup I was always talking about with the leaks from the FBI. And now, they use the Ukraine matter. They're going to impeach a President who did nothing wrong with Russia. Who is the victim, the victim of a rogue, tyrannical Obama administration agency, I should say agencies. And they're going to impeach him. So we're going to swing back to this Ukraine issue and unravel this. So stick with me. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. By the way... 
telling you way in advance. I believe our Fox show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, this Sunday is the last one of the year. Is that right, Rich? I don't remember. I think it is. But we're going to have, as we did a year or two ago, or a year and a year and a half ago, Sean Hannity will be my special guest. And we have a lot of fun, and we get into a lot of heavy-duty issues. All right. We've talked about this to the point where you're probably sick of it, but we can't be. We talked about the January 2017 article in Politico, Ukraine efforts to sabotage Trump backfire, and it goes into excruciating detail about what was done by the Ukrainian government, corrupt Ukrainian government, not led by the current president of Ukraine, to interfere in the campaign on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the DNC in an attempt to undermine and sabotage the Trump campaign. And this Ukrainian-American operative was a consultant for the Democratic National Committee, and she met with individuals in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, as pointed out by, uh, by the reporters at Politico, uh, to try and sketch out a case against Trump. It didn't just appear this article in, or this information in Politico, a major foreign policy newspaper. It's been in radical left-wing outlets. In other words... It's an article, or it's information, I should say, that runs contrary to what this must be a right-wing conspiracy. This information was broken in liberal newspapers. Even radical left newspapers. And there's no question the Russians constantly are interfering in our elections, the Red Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, the Obama administration, I might add, But this Ukrainian regime did too. And what the media are trying to do is degrade and diminish and really character assassinate anybody who dares to raise it. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, there was a court decision in Ukraine, an official court decision where the court found that senior officials in that corrupt Ukrainian government did in fact interfere with and seek to interfere in our campaign in 2016 in our election. That was the finding of the court. And they made that, issued that finding in 2018. There's never been any court finding that the Russians colluded with Trump or the Trump campaign. Here we have a court finding. So this information comes largely, not exclusively, but largely from liberal media outlets that are often cited by Meet the Depressed, Deface the Nation, and the rest of them. But not this one. So there's no question that the Ukrainians sought to interfere in our election. None. Maybe the Russians are saying they did. Maybe the Russians are saying they didn't. They're not mutually exclusive. And so it's in this context. It's in this context that I want you to hear Chuck Todd and his discussion really his attacks on Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz knows what I know. He knows what you know. He knows what the whole world knows if they pay attention to what's taking place. But Chuck Todd would have none of it. Now, why is that? Why are they so concerned about this? Because it shows what a sleazy operation the Hillary campaign, the DNC, the Obama administration were, and in fact were seeking to undo our election with the help of a foreign government. It also shows that when the President of the United States in his phone call with the President of Ukraine 
said, do us a favor, would you look into this, the 2016 efforts? This is why he said it. And he asked them to work with the Attorney General of the United States. Now, I want you to listen to this coward Chuck, uh, Chuck Todd who will not come on this show for an honest debate. He's a coward. He's a leftist. And he's getting worse by the Sunday show. Cut 14, go. Do you believe Ukraine meddled in the American election in 2016? I I do, and I think there's considerable evidence. You do? You do? Yes, and and Chuck, let me say. This is, you know, Senator, this sort of strikes me as as odd. Because you went through a primary campaign with this president. He launched a birtherism campaign against you. He went after your faith. He threatened to, quote, spill the beans about your wife about something. He pushed a National Enquirer story, which we now know he had a real relationship Chuck, with the editors you're dra- of the National dragging Enquirer. dragging up all that no, garbage. Senator, That's very kind is it of you. Not, is it, let me ask you this. Is it not possible that this president is capable of creating a false narrative about somebody in order to help him politically? <laughs> Except that's not what happened. The president released the transcript of the phone call. You can read what was said on the phone call. Yeah, and the Biden. Let me point out again. You, the, you, you yourself it, thought the Biden Chuck, part Chuck. was trouble. Well, let's stop here. Does this Chuck Todd sound like a journalist to you, Mr. Producer? Does he sound like a journalist to anybody out there? Does he sound like a man who's interested in actually getting information from Ted Cruz any more than he sounded like a man interested in getting information from Senator Ron Johnson? He is a radical progressive, social activist, Democrat, as is his wife, dressed up as a journalist today. And this is what we have all over journalism. It's not a profession. And so he's fighting with Ted Cruz. And he's so wrong. He's such an ignoramus. He doesn't even know what Ukraine tried to do. He hasn't read the court opinion or he dismisses it. Or he's attacking his own colleagues Kenneth Vogel and others who have written about this extensively wants to know nothing about it. You have more here about what Ukraine did than when they unleashed a special counsel against the President of the United States on Russian collusion. And they want to know nothing about it. Go ahead. Chuck, let me point out a game that the media is playing. You know, a question that, that you've asked a number of people is you've, you've said to senators sort of aghast, do you believe that Ukraine and not Russia interfered in the election? Now, that, that in, in, in a court of law would be struck as a misleading question. Of course Russia interfered in our election. Nobody looking at the evidence disputes that. Uh, but the what president the media of the United is States pretending does. is, uh, look, it, on the evidence, Russia clearly interfered in our, in our election. But here's the game the media is playing. Because Russia interfered, the media pretends nobody else did. Ukraine blatantly interfered in our election. The sitting ambassador from Ukraine wrote an op-ed blasting Donald Do Trump why? during the election season. Do you know season. why he did that? that is what did now let's stop. You see? You see how he jumps? Do you know why? Do you know why? It's a debate. It's not in effort journalism. It's an effort to dismiss Cruz and the points that he's raising. So here we have Chuck Todd saying, do you know why he did that? So he must concede when he says, do you know why he did that? He must then concede that Ukraine did interfere with the election. Chuck Todd is not a very bright guy. He's a loud guy, but he's not a very bright guy. So he just uh, conceded what he's been dismissing. Go ahead. Trump... What did Donald Trump as a candidate say 
about Ukraine and Crimea during the election. It doesn't matter, Chuck. The point is interference in our election, I thought. And the fact is, now you're saying, do you know why they interfered in the election? You sound like a buffoon, but it doesn't matter. Go on. You're saying they had disagreements with Donald Trump and they wanted Hillary Clinton to get elected. Okay, so they wrote an op-ed. I wrote an op-ed. That is the difference. What you're saying is you're saying a pickpocket, which essentially is a Hill op-ed, compared to Bernie Madoff and Vladimir. Chuck, 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 you keep interrupting him. There's plenty of information out there. There's plenty of information out there. You have an extensive investigative and research branch at NBC. Are you ignoring them? You're not asking them to look into this? I'm challenging you to come on my program to discuss Ukraine interference in 2016. You won't come on. You're a coward. You're a fraud. But you see, you attack Ted Cruz. And they're creating this narrative that this is a right-wing conspiracy intended to take attention off what the, what the magnificent, noble statesmen of the Democrat Party are trying to do in the House, standing up for the Constitution and the rule of law. So which bottom feeder picks up on this today? Which sleazeball has his face down in the mud and picks up on this today? You're right. The morning schmo. The morning schmo. The little boy from Deliverance on the bridge. Cut 15, go. Well, uh, you know, what's interesting, Jonathan Lemire, is that often when somebody will say uh, that a politician is uh, hurting our democracy, as Susan Del Percio said, that could... Oh, Susan Del Percio said that, Mr. Producer. Wow. Susan the Percio. Susan Del Percio said that. Right, Jonathan Lemire? Nobody knows... Who the hell or what the hell this idiot's talking about? Including the idiot who's talking. Go ahead. Start a pretty heated debate, except for the fact in this case, the intel community went to the United States Senate and warned the United States Senate against using Russian propaganda talking points like Ted Cruz just did. He's not using Russia propaganding talking point, you low IQ idiot. He's using Politico. He's using foreign policy magazines. He's using other news outlets. Unless they're all suckers to Russia propaganda. But there's plenty of Russia propaganda out there, but it takes somebody with an IQ over 14 to distinguish between one or another. The fact is the Ukrainian corrupt government interfered in our election, regardless of what Russia says or what Russia is propagating, about Ukraine. They can both be true at the same time, and they are. But it's way too complicated for 14 IQ, the morning schmo. It's over his head. He can't handle it. Then there's Charlie Dent. This guy is a... Liberal Republican, he retired, or was retired. I believe it was in the, uh, in the far northwest corner of Pennsylvania. And they dragged this a-hole on, too, because they find these Republicans, you know. A-hole, meaning apple hole, by the way. 
Oh, Charlie, Charlie Dent on CNN. Charlie, what do, you, what do you think about this, Charlie? This is amazing, isn't it? Ted Cruz spinning for Vladimir Putin on talking points. The Ukraine didn't interfere in our election. No, no, no. The Ukraine didn't interfere. And, and Hunter Biden didn't break any law. No, no. Look, look at these guys. Look at them. Now, these are the same news operations that spoon-fed us this Russia collusion crap for two and a half and three years. Cut 16. Go. I can't explain it. I mean, after all the things that the president said about his wife. and has nothing to do with the, what the president said about his wife and father, you moron. That's not the issue. The issue is whether, in fact, Ukraine interfered or attempted to interfere in our election, regardless of what the president said. And the facts are yes. The facts are yes. Go ahead. I mean, why would he even attempt to try to defend the indefensible and then, uh, you know, start peddling these... All right, that's enough of this guy. I hope you're enjoying your gig at CNN, buddy. Because you've absolutely prostrated yourself. Charlie Dent. What a moron. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Did you know just one relatively high balance on a credit card can negatively affect your credit score? It's true. It's also true that your score drops faster as your debt continues to climb. So why not make today the day you do something about it? Get out of high interest debt by consolidating it into a low rate mortgage. Could mean $1,000 or more in monthly savings. But only if you call the salary-based mortgage consultants at American Financing. Now, I like American Financing because they don't do high-pressure sales or commissions. Instead, they listen to you, your want, your needs, your situation. They look at your entire financial picture so they can save you the most money. Best of all, when you refinance with American Financing, you don't have to reset your loan term. You can choose any term, 18, 16, 12, whatever. Because they believe you shouldn't pay interest on years you don't need. So make the 10-minute call today and see what they can do for you. There are no upfront fees to pay, and you may be able to postpone two mortgage payments. That's big. Call 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or apply online 
to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Now, I mentioned winter times here, Christmas, Hanukkah. I mentioned that Hannity will be my guest this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and we have a blast together. Uh, as you noted, as you noticed last time, we just have a wonderful time. But we'll get into fun subjects, personal subjects, a little, and also, of course, these crucially big issues. And it's Sean like you never really get to see him. But we have our Sean theme song, don't we, Mister Producer? Here it is. And my mother-in-law hates this song. So does my wife. Now, Adam probably thinks there's nothing wrong with that. Is that part of the plus thing, Mr. Producer, with the LGBTQ plus? Is he a plus? I'm quite serious about this. LGBTQ plus Adam Schiff. I like that. Do you like that? I think I do. Do we have a caller, Mr. Producer? And if so, what would his or her name be? WFDM Indianapolis Lee, go! Denali, good evening. Good evening. Yeah, as you were going through the um, the conclusions that Horowitz came up, he yes. found after all the things that he looked at, no evidence of motive for political bias, which reminded me of James Comey reading that litany of things that Hillary did, and then he concluded by finding no evidence of bias. Well, that's a very good parallel, I would say. Well said. I'll be right back. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest-growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. So my wife is here, Julie. Don't be too tough on me. You hate that song, don't you? I cannot stand that song. Why? Because I, Listen, just... I'm not... I don't agree with it. We don't live that way. But I like to use it to humiliate Certain people, either for fun or the left. Okay, so under the microphone, it's fair game with Adam Schiff. I agree with that. So 100%. you agree? I can use that as Adam Schiff's song. That's fine. I'll concede that. Adam Schiff and women's underwear doesn't it fit? Totally, hundred percent. The only one might be better is Nadler. Mm, that's tough. That's a tough one. I don't think he can fit in women. Well, well there's some women he there, could there fit are in underwear. Plus plus sizes. Not that I would know about that, of course. You're dainty. You're small. Yes, he would He would definitely need the queen size. Queen size? Is there such oh, a thing? I can't say that now, I guess. No, they're on the plus side. It's <laughs> yes, okay. Yes, that's plus plus side. All right, honey. Your radio debut. There you go. On my favorite song for the left. Wonderful. All right, sweetie. Do I have to pay you now? Is this a union thing? 100%. She said 100%. All right, Mr. Producer, I'm back. What do you want me to do again? Oh, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. She hates that song. So does her mother. It's a point of contention. I love it. I love using it against people I cannot stand and my good friends now and then just to shake them up. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is the fastest growing 50-plus organization in America. And over 2 million conservative members strong, and of course I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we, constitutional conservatives, care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington. 
AMAC pushes back against reckless spending. Disasters like Medicare for All that will destroy Medicare and private health care. And the expanding reach of the federal government. The collective voice of AMAC is brought to local congressional districts by hundreds of AMAC delegates. And as a member, you can personally get involved by finding one of the many nationwide AMAC chapters. Now beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits, including car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, a lot more. If that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine. It's beautiful, it's full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. Now I'm an AMAC member, and I've been an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join us right now. Go to amac.us, that's A-M-A-C dot U.S. Join today at amac.us. And by the way, stop supporting liberal agendas with the other 50-plus organization. You know, the A-A-R-P. Join AMAC. A-M-A-C dot U.S. Now, Mr. Producer, I want to get back to this Ukraine matter. So you heard Scarborough, who is the dunce of dunces. You heard Chuck Todd moron extraordinary and a coward you've heard them all but there are others too I mean Ted Cruz is speaking the truth what is it the left's truth to power I hate that phrase but he is but you can't because it hurts their narrative and so they're going to trash you which is exactly what they tried to do so we had Chuck Todd we had Joe Scarborough we had Charlie Dent but there were others Mocking Ted Cruz, who was telling the truth. Who was telling the truth. Now, I started the program, and I said, isn't it fascinating? We had Professor Alan Dershowitz on Life, Liberty, and Levin. And you have these sites, like Mediate, like Media Matters, all these left-wing kook sites that pretend to be news operations. As well as friendlies. And they pretend that Alan Dershowitz never said anything Sunday night. He made a lot of brilliant statements Sunday night. The problem is, they don't fit the narrative. His narrative, the president's narrative, or the media's narrative. But Dershowitz, to me, is more of a libertarian constitutionalist. And so these things matter to him. Here's what he said in part last night. Cut 17, go! Should President Trump be impeached? It would be unconstitutional for President Trump to be impeached on the current record. It would be an utter abuse of the power of Congress. The Constitution sets out four criteria for impeaching a president. Treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Unless one of those criteria is met, Congress does not have the authority to impeach. And if they do, their impeachment would be void. Alexander Hamilton said, any act of Congress that is inconsistent with the Constitution is void. Now, Congress maybe can get away with impeaching because there won't be judicial review, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't be violating their oath of office. They would be abusing their power if they impeached President Trump on this record. Unconstitutionally, you say. I hear so-called legal analysts say impeachment is whatever the House says it is, and they quote Gerald Ford. Right. um, And it's a purely political process. Mm -hmm. Did 
the framers give illimitable power to the House of Representatives in this regard? Of course not. And Maxine Waters has said the same thing. And then she said, there is no law. In other words, she is above the law. Congress is above the law. Congress may be able to get away with it, but this confuses what Congress can get away with with what Congress has sworn to uphold. Any member of Congress who votes to impeach President Trump without a finding that he is guilty of treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors is violating their oath of office and abusing their power. Maybe they can get away with it, but they are acting in an unconstitutional fashion. Wow. Wow, no wonder. This isn't appearing on the vast majority of news sites and websites and news aggregation sites. No wonder. We have to pretend it was never said. We have to pretend nobody hears it. But millions are hearing it. Cut 18, go. There seems to be this idea. I was watching some of these law professors. Honestly, I fell asleep through half of it. I was watching some of these law professors the other day. And uh, they sounded like members of Congress. I'm just being honest about it. And um, they were talking about abuse of power, Mm -hmm. talking about bribery and so forth. I was listening to this, so I want to turn to you. This word bribery really has a specific meaning, and it really doesn't have the meaning that many people seem to suggest it does. It doesn't mean everything and anything. It doesn't necessarily mean this. What does it mean? There are four criteria. We know what treason means, because treason is defined in the Constitution. Bribery, you know, we know it when we see it, when you pay a government official corruptly to perform an illegal act or an act that is motivated by, by money, but it, it can't operate when you're the President of the United States and you're conditioning or withholding um, money in order to make sure that a country isn't corrupt and you're asking them to investigate. That just doesn't fit any definition of bribery, common law definition of bribery, statutory definition of bribery. However you define the constitutional word bribery, it just doesn't fit. What they're trying to do is what the KGB under Lavrenti Beria said to Stalin, the dictator, I'm not comparing our country to the Soviet Union, just want to make sure it never becomes anything like that. Beria said to Stalin, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. And that's what some of the Democrats are doing. They have Trump in their sights. They want to figure out a way of impeaching him and they're searching for a crime. First, they came up with abuse of power. Not a crime. It's not in the Constitution. So now they're saying bribery, but they're making it up. There is no case for bribery based on even if all the allegations against the president were to be proved, which they haven't been, but even if they were to be proved, it would not constitute the impeachable offense of bribery. Now, this goes on with Dershowitz and me for the better part of an hour. He also talks about the Epstein matter. But aren't you frustrated, if not disgusted, that all these sites out there that are looking for cheap shots and hits and so forth ignore what he had to say last night? And it's right on target, but it doesn't fit the objective of the Never Trumper websites, of the left-wing Democrat websites, of the newsroom websites, of many of the so-called news aggregation sites. No, 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 no. We have to listen to the legal analysts who've been wrong over and over again. <laughs> and then finally, for the purposes of this program, K-18. 
Cut 19, go. I want to ask you about this issue of subpoenas. Mm -hmm. Through most of our history, if Congress issued a subpoena or the equivalent of a document request or a witness request, the two branches would work it out somehow, right. some way. We've now reached a point where we have a committee of Congress, the House Intelligence Committee, before that the House Judiciary Committee, not even the whole House, not even the whole Congress. We issue a subpoena, Mr. President, and you better respond to it. You better give us everything we ask, no objections. You better give us your White House counsel. You better mm -hmm. give us whatever we want. Yep. We don't want to hear attorney-client privilege, executive privilege, separation of powers. Mm -hmm. You give us what we want. Is that what the Constitution provides? No, quite the opposite. I had a case many, many years ago where they subpoenaed my client in front of Congress to reveal lawyer-client privilege information. And the committee said there's no such thing as lawyer-client privilege in front of Congress. We prevailed. We won. We took it to the courts. The courts, according to Hamilton, Federalist 75, are the umpires between the excesses of the legislative branch and the executive branch. When the legislature issues a subpoena, a president's absolutely entitled to say, no, go to court. You have to get authority from the court. I'm claiming privilege. If the claim of privilege is too broad, as one of the judges recently held, then you lose. But you can't be impeached for invoking the separation of powers in our system of checks and balances. That would punish, essentially, exercising your own constitutional authority under Article 1, 2, and 3 of the Constitution. We have a three-part system of government, equal, co-equal branches, separate branches, and the courts of the umpires. But what I seem to be hearing today from these committees and these professors is we don't have three co-equal branches of government. We want Trump out. So today we have one all-powerful branch of government. Tomorrow maybe we'll have co-equal branches mm -hmm. of government. Uh, but the fact that the president asserts his rights, mm -hmm. and he's not the first president to do this. No. He's not the first president to take it to court. He's not defying a court order. He's defying a request, a demand by another elected branch and saying, you know what? I'm going to duke this out with you. And they're saying, impeachable offense, there's another count. Has this ever been done before? No, and it's extraordinarily dangerous to do that because it denies the executive branch the power granted to it under the Constitution as a co-equal branch to challenge legislative excesses. When I was growing up, it was the liberals like me and the civil libertarians who were opposed to congressional overuse of subpoenas. It was called the McCarthy period. And we civil libertarians constantly challenged Congress, took them to court, won a lot of those cases to eliminate the excesses of legislative power during the McCarthy period. Today, the shoe's on the other foot. And it's the people on the left who are saying, ah, oh, legislative power, legislative power, no executive power. Uh, to everything, there's a season. And the Constitution was written for all seasons, not for just today or for the McCarthy period. Excellent, Professor. No wonder these other outlets didn't link to you. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Nothing like an Omaha steak, Mr. Producer. How do you like your steaks, Rich? How does Richie V like his steak? 
both even like a medium. No ketchup. Okay, well, no accounting for bad taste. You know, this season, I'm already salivating over this. This season, Omaha Steaks is sharing an amazing limited time offer with you, my listeners. And there's still time. You know what's amazing? Before I do this, this printer has sat here dormant for what? Six weeks now, Mr. Producer? It's printing. And I can't stop it. You hear this? Listen to this. It's the craziest damn thing. Here, let me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, just bear with me. I know you're laughing at me. I'm trying to shut it down. It is printing stuff from November 11th. I think I'm going to run out of paper. Let me go back to something that matters. Omaha Steaks. The season Omaha Steaks is sharing an amazing limited time offer with you, my listeners. There's still time to place your order for the holidays, but time is running out. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, in the search bar to order the favorite gift package. The favorite gift package. Now, the gift uh, all of your friends and family will love, and it's for only $69.99. Now, this is what you get. It's a lot. Four six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet mignons, the most tender steak in the world. Four savory premium pork chops. Four Omaha Steaks burgers. Four perfectly brown potatoes au gratin. Four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. An Omaha Steaks signature seasoning packet. Plus, only for you, my listeners, a free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board. All this is delicious, delicious food, plus the free cutlery set. And you'll enjoy it for years to come, only $69.99. Now, Omaha steaks are the most tender, the most flavorful, and you can only get steaks of this quality from Omaha Steaks, America's original butcher. Again, order now. You can get the favorite gift package, plus the free six-piece cutlery set and cutting board, only $69.99. But you need to hurry. I always say this, people delay, then they say, Mark, it's too late. Just go to omahasteaks.com, type in L-E-V-I-N, Levin, in the search bar, omahasteaks.com. Don't wait. If you want to take advantage of this offer and get your gift, uh, be, and get it to your friends, too, and your family, before the holidays are over, you need to act now. Again, order the favorite gift package today, omahasteaks.com, and type in Levin. Now, in the final hour... Among other things, I want to hammer away on this hearing today. It's the most bizarre damn thing I've ever seen, and there have been a lot of them. You have counsel for the Judiciary Committee, who is a hack lawyer. A hack, left-wing, kook lawyer, who is obnoxious. And he is questioning two of the staff lawyers, one for the Democrats, one for the Republicans, from the House Intelligence Committee. So you have one lawyer questioning two other lawyers. Not a single fact witness. Nobody who observed anything firsthand. The other day we had four professors, one of whom was coherent. And this is what we're getting. There are almost no fact witnesses, almost no firsthand evidence whatsoever of any offense, let alone abuse of power. And so we have a conga line of left-wing kooks. Trial lawyers. Oh, the libs love their trial lawyers. What's next? 
Who's coming in next? We're going to hear from uh, the AFL-CIO. Who's going to come in? Oh, I have an opinion. Oh, there's Planned Parenthood. Yes, we believe there's an abuse of power. One after another. While history will condemn this. The problem is, it's damnable today. And you people in the media, you are destroying yourselves. But you don't care. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. thinking during the break, you know, Carter Page has a massive lawsuit he can bring against the FBI now. Massive. Likely win millions. And the witnesses he could call who couldn't protect themselves in a civil case would be unbelievable. The discovery that he could pursue... He may want to hire Sidney Powell. I'm not kidding. He can get to the bottom of a lot of information with discovery and become a very, very wealthy man. Because this report demonstrates, regardless of how it's being spun on CNN and MSLSD and all the rest of it, abuses of power, significant abuses of power against him. Now, There was a so-called impeachment hearing today, very bizarre. No real witnesses, no real testimony, no real evidence. Just lawyers talking to themselves, to the exclusion of many of the uh, members of Congress. Well, they have a new system down in the Democrat-controlled House, and that is to violate House rules and to violate Robert's rules of order. So if somebody raises a legitimate order... Slam them down. Somebody raises a parliamentary inquiry, slam them down. The Republicans are supposed to get a full day of their own hearing and questions? No way. You know they try Schiff and Hunter Biden and the phony whistleblower and their phony lawyers. Can't have that. Can't have that on our way to a railroad job. But here's how it started. You're going to hear Andy Biggs is going to move his motion. Doug Collins, the ranking Republican on the committee, you're going to hear Matt Gates, who I think is really terrific, as well as the Democrats, Nadler. Caught one, go. Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. Thank you, Mr. Collins. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have a point of order. The gentleman will state his point of order. Mr. Chairman, Clause 2J1 of Rule 11 requires you to schedule a minority hearing day, not to consider it, not to meet to discuss it, but to schedule one, and to schedule it at a reasonable time, not after articles have been drawn, not after there's been a vote on articles of impeachment. I inquire and insist, Mr. Chairman, that you immediately schedule a minority hearing day or tell us why you are uh, uh, the ignoring the rules. The gentleman, uh, we've, we've, already gone, we've already gone through that, but I will repeat, that is not a point, proper point of order in today's hearing. As I've told the ranking minority member several times, I'm considering the, the minority's request. If 
You think we would be violating the rules of the House if we considered articles of impeachment before holding a minority day hearing? That point of order would be timely at a meeting where we considered such articles. It's not the purpose of today's hearing, and the point of order is not in order. Mr. Chairman, since I've been, in, since I've been implicated in this, I'd like to ask without objection, our comments have not without objection, all objection. other opening statements will be included in the record. Reserve my point of objection on that. Okay, the point of objection. I have a question. You brought, you brought my name into this. The gentleman. You have brought my name gentleman, into this. The gentleman will suspend. The gentleman is recognized. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chairman. It's telling me that you're considering something you have nothing to consider, and you have told me that, I'll admit on record, is nowhere close to actually following your duty as a chairman to follow the rules. And so I think the point of order is very well taken. I think the issue that we have is not, I think your timing is, I mean, show me please in the rule, have your parliamentarian show me in the rules where you come to a time of actually being able to deny this up at a certain point. I further reserve any right to object. As I, as I have said, Further reserving the right to object. I have said now, the gentleman talking now, further reserving the right to object, is James Sensenbrenner from Wisconsin, who's been in the House a very long time since before Ronald Reagan was elected, and is an expert on the rules, and has been chairman of many committees. So he's obviously stunned of what's taking place here. And so he's, he's trying to get involved to address Nadler's utter lawlessness. Go ahead. At the meeting where we are considering... Further reserving the right to object. We will now hear presentations... Mr. Chairman, I appeal the decision of the chair. There is no decision to appeal. There was not a ruling and a motion. We will now hear presentations... There's a ruling on the point of order. You you made a ruling on the point of order. You made a ruling on the point of order, Mr. Chairman. You can't then not allow us to appeal the ruling of the chair. The gentleman will suspend... It was not a cognizable point of order. It was not. It was not a cognizable point of order. It was not in order at this time to make that point of order. There is no ruling to appeal. To appeal, but, but Mr. Chairman, it's now the rule was the obligation, not consideration. You are obligated. The gentleman will schedule, not to consider. He made a ruling. It is in order to appeal. The gentleman will suspend. We are doing what we have to do under the rules. We will now hear presentations Mr. of evidence. Mr. Chairman, the gentleman is not recognized. We will now hear presentations of evidence. I have a parliamentary inquiry. I haven't removed my objection yet. I will not recognize a parliamentary inquiry at this time. We will when now will hear presentations them? of evidence from counsels to the is, judiciary. Is this when we just hear staff ask questions of other staff and the members get dealt out of this whole hearing and for the next four hours? You're going to try to overturn the result of an election with unelected people giving gentlemen will suspend. This order this considered in, will be considered in an orderly fashion. The gentleman will not yell out, and he will not attempt to disrupt Now, you see, ladies and gentlemen, forevermore, there'll be a transcript of this hearing. And while individuals like Nadler and the sheeple that support him on that committee think they're winning the day, they're going to lose the history. As will Schiff. They are burning down the House of Representatives. They are burning down decorum. They are burning down the rules. And Chuck Todd and the, his ilk have no problem with it whatsoever. They don't explain this to the American people. None of it. None of it. It's a disgrace what's taking place here. But they don't much care, do they? Burn it down, baby. These are the radicals. Now, Louis Gohmert, 
You have Barry Burke, the Democrat Judiciary Council. This guy was a real sleazeball. Steve Castor, the Republican Council. Then you have Nadler and Gomer got it a little bit. Cut two, go. Did you look at how many times President Trump mentioned Vice President Biden in a speech or rally leading up to the July 25th call? President Trump goes to a lot of rallies. He does a lot of tweeting. I think it's pretty difficult to draw too many conclusions from his tweets or his statements at rallies. Mr. Chairman. Well, sir, Mr. Chairman, parliamentary inquiry. The gentleman is not recognized for parliamentary inquiry. Mr. Chairman, what is The gentleman is not recognized. The gentleman, Mr. Burke, has the time. We're going to ignore the rules. We are not allow witnesses to ask the questions. Then, gentlemen, how suspend. many other rules are you just going to disregard? Gentlemen, are su- will suspend. Parliamentary inquiries are not in order at this time. Well, how about point a point of, of order. Order. point of order? This is not appropriate to have a witness have a point be a questioner a point of, of order, somebody that was a witness gentlemen, when he was. The gentleman will suspend. It's just the wrong. Chairman. Gentlemen, will refrain Mr. Chairman, from making. Gentlemen, will well, I made a point of order, and you won't rule on it. I have not heard a point of order. If the gentleman Mr. has a stated point, Mr. Chairman, point gentleman of order. has a point of order. He'll state your point of order. Yes, Mr. Chairman. There is no rule nor precedent for anybody being a witness and then getting to come up and order. question. And so I have ruled. That we would. The point not, of order is he's inappropriate to be up here asking questions. That is not a point of order. He's here in accordance with Rule Six Six. With how much Six-Six. money do you have to give to get to do? Gentlemen will not cast aspersions. No, 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 no. We don't cast aspersions in the House Judiciary Committee. The chairman never casts aspersions in the House Judiciary Committee. And the media love it. You ought to hear these clowns like John Avlon. Very polished guy who looks very much like a French maitre d'. But he's a sleazeball like the rest of them. You can hear the frustration. Now, here's Daniel Goldman, the Democrat counsel for the House Intelligence Committee, testifying at the House Judiciary Committee, and of course a former MSLSD contributor. You can see all the incestuous relationships, pretty grotesque. Cut three, go. As I remember going over to the Ukraine, convincing our team, our leaders, convincing them that we should provide for loan guarantees. I went over, I guess, the 12th or 13th time to Kiev. I was supposed to announce that there was a billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I got a commitment from Poroshenko, and they said that I would take action against, that they would take action against the state prosecutor. They didn't. So they, so they said they had, they were walking out to the press conference. I said, nah, I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have authority, you have no authority, you're not the president. The president said, I said, call him, laughter. I said, I'm telling you, you're, getting, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion dollars. I'm getting, I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting ready to be leaving here, and I think about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving here in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch, he got fired. Did he ask for something, request something, and hold something of value? He did. George Kent testified that that I was... I think I'll do what you did. George Kent testified this. I'm asking about not George Kent. I'm asking about this question. Right, but it, it's important context. It's not. Answer this question. Did he or did he not? He's a, either Joe Biden's a liar, telling a story to make people impressed, or he actually did this. Which is it? He did it pursuant to U.S. official policy. So he did it in holding, withholding actual dollars, actual thing, holding this out there. So Joe Biden 
of everybody that we discussed about is the only one that's done a quid pro quo. He's the only one that's used taxpayer dollars to actually threaten a foreign government. And yet we're sitting here pretending that this is not happening. We're sitting here pretending that a president of the United States now would not be concerned. Look, you look at it this way. Joe Biden's a terrible candidate. He can destroy himself on the campaign trail, but he can't get by this. And it doesn't matter who brings it up. It doesn't matter who does it, because this is what happened. And you can whitewash it all you want. You can go over whatever you want, but that's what he did. He's either a liar or he did it, and he did it. And that's the bottom line, is it not? Representative Collins and Matt Gates to Daniel Goldman at the hearing. Where's Schiff? Where's your pretty boy, Schiff? Cut four, go. We're used to committees and people and witnesses coming, taking gratuitous shots at people they don't like. And earlier today, in your testimony, you made a comment that really goes with an interesting thing, and I'll even go back to the chairman questioning motive. When your testimony, you said, as you were discussing Mr. Sondland, you made a very snide comment, your, actually your facial expression showed, that he was a million-dollar donor to the president. The implication being he either got his job because he bought it, or his implication was he was loyal to the president and say anything about it. Be very careful about how you throw around dollars and and giving because you and Mr. Burke are real heavy donors to the Democratic Party. And I'm not going to say it questions your motive or your position here today, but we need to make sure that this thing is already blown out of proportion. We're already not answering questions. And you are here without a pen because your chairman will not testify. That says all we need to hear. He don't even stand behind his own report, and he sends you. I hope it works out for you. I'm done. At this point, I turn it over to Ashley. Can I I respond? Are you you trying to say that that I – what are you trying to say? What is the implication here? But by the way – I didn't give anything close to a million dollars remotely. So I don't no, know. The implication 30. is we yeah. want Schiff in that chair, not you. The implication is the person that wrote the report is the person that should come yeah. and present it. And you weren't elected by anybody. And you're here giving gentleman this testimony not, in place of the chairman. Does not have, I hope that clears up the implication. The gentleman does not have the time. And the gentleman has been warned before. <laughs> cannot simply yell I him. see. So the chairman's worried about order when the chairman's always out of order. Trashing the Republicans with that damn gavel of his. And you got to give this guy, Gates, his, uh, his due. He really is. He's, he's a standout. We got more. <laughs> As they burn down the House of Representatives, the Democrats, with these slobs who represent San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, and nowhere else. A lot of good people in these towns. These chairmen are not among them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, let's keep going. Doug Collins at the hearing today. Remember we talked about these phone records on page 157 of the Schiff Report. You have Nunes, you have John Solomon, you have Jay Sekulow, president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, president's lawyer, and they're matching up phones and people and who called whom. And I said, this is a violation of civil liberties, and you're actually going to put this out, including on a colleague? Well, this has hit the fan big time. Cut five, go. The Wall Street Journal reported that the committee issued at least four subpoenas to Verizon and AT&T for call records. Is that correct? Um... We are we wondering? Yeah, yes, we are because um, there 
are multiple numbers. Um, it's, we, we only issued subpoenas for call records for people who were involved in the investigation and who had already been subpoenaed by the committee for documents and testimony of their own. Absolutely wonderful uh, uh, stuff, but answer my question. Four? Well, I am trying to answer your question. Was it at least four? Yes. Thank you. Could have saved us a lot of time there. How many subpoenas were issued at and I don't know off the top Can of my head. Can you check your records? I, this I, is important because we just found out about this over the weekend. We got a massive document dump over the weekend preparing for this hearing in which the chairman admitted and the staff admitted they're not going to be able to read it all anyway. So for all of you writing reports about this, all that massive document dump, we're just simply going on a shift report which shift refuses to come testify about but sends the staff. So this is important stuff. We just found out about this. So how many subpoenas were issued to AT&T? I, I don't know. If you'd like me to find That's out fine. the break, I'd know, be happy then, to. Then again, maybe your chairman could be here to actually answer this. Was it targeted at a single telephone number or numbers? We, we subpoenaed for call records multiple numbers. How many? I, I don't know. None, none of, uh, this okay, is very important though. Here, none of members of Congress, none of staff of Congress. Oh, we're getting to that. None of journalists. We're getting to that. We only did it to the subjects who were involved in the investigation, which is a very routine and standard investigative practice. No, it's not that routine in a congressional context. This isn't a criminal investigation. And these guys, Democrats in the House, really are uh, out of control. They're not prosecutors, ladies and gentlemen. They're not FBI agents. They're legislators. And that's part of the big problem here. And they're gathering phone numbers. Okay, fine. But then they're matching them up. They're looking to embarrass people. They're looking to create conspiracies. Narratives. That's why Nunez's name was on 157. John Solomon, a reporter, that's why his name was on 157. Two of the president's private lawyers, Giuliani and Succolo, that's why their names were on 157. Hooked up with a Ukrainian call from a Ukrainian or to a Ukrainian. They talk about McCarthyism. Notice the left never calls themselves McCarthyites. But we ought to leave poor old Joe McCarthy alone. I mean, at least he was chasing communists. Adam Schiff is chasing Americans who are not communists. So rather than McCarthyism, we need to call this now Schiffism. Schiffism. The tyranny of a rogue house. More on this. This is important. This specific issue. More in a moment. Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. See, what you're watching here, if you're watching it at all, but listening as I play some of this, is a complete breakdown of the rule of law. Now, you might say, that's fine. It's academic to me. It's me. No. No. You have your legislators who are purposely submarining the rule of law. You have federal judges that are doing the same thing. This spreads like a poison. What if the IRS breaks the rule of law? 
What if your local district attorney breaks the rule of law? What if the rule of law is broken and you're in the middle of a divorce case? Or some kind of civil litigation over your business or your employment or whatever the issue is? The rule of law is crucial. And what you're seeing is legislators who are supposed to be writing laws who don't follow their own rules. Now this has been playing out for several years now, what they're doing. And the Democrat parties are so obsessed with power, so obsessed with, with influence, they're burning down our Constitution, they're burning down the House of Representatives, they're burning down the rule of law. You know, as we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College, thanks for your loyalty, as it celebrates 175 years of blessings, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus, for free, every month, or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny, one penny of government money, federal or state. Now this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. To learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. That's levinforhillsdale.com. All right. We want to focus in again on what the Democrat staff, Schiff and the others, in Schiffism, the new Schiffism, on what they did with these phone numbers that they acquired. Cut six, go. Who on the committee asked that those numbers that you actually did put into the run, into for a subpoena and get those numbers back? Who was it that asked that they be cross-checked for members of the media and, and members of the Congress? Who ordered that? I don't think that's how we did it, sir. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. You came out with a report that actually showed these people, such as Mr. Chairman Nunez and others, were actually on these calls. Yes. Now, someone, and you and I, we're not going to play cute here. Somebody took the four records that you asked for, or at least four, took those numbers and then said, hey, let's play uh, match game. Who ordered the match game for members of Congress and the press? Was it you? I don't, I don't think anyone did, sir. Then how did you get? Yeah, okay, come on, that's the most ridiculous item I've ever heard. You don't just all of a sudden pick up numbers in which you have to match those numbers to actually show where they are, and you don't come up with them. Who ordered them to actually match for members of Congress and the press? That's actually what you just described is exactly how it happened. You, ha you pick who an event. ordered to find out if Nunez's number was on those calls? If I could just explain, sir, you pick an event of significance in the investigation, and you look for sequencing and patterns surrounding that event. You look then at the numbers and you try to identify what those numbers are, and then you start to build the circumstantial case. At this point, that's a wonderful explanation, but not an answer to my question. 
Those are you looking for the four numbers you asked for and to see how they're connected. I understand the subpoena that you issued. My question directly, was it you or was it Chairman Schiff that said, while we're doing this, let's see if this matches Chairman Nunez's number. Let's see if this matches a member of the press's number. Somebody along the way just didn't all of a sudden have an epiphany, unless you're getting ready to throw a low-level staffer under the bus, that these numbers might match. So who did it? Was it Chairman Schiff or was it you? Um, Be careful, you're under oath. I know I'm under oath, sir. Then answer the question. Matter. And I, I will answer the question if you give me a second here. It's not a simple answer. The same answer. second that was not afforded to my witness, by the way. Well, well I think he was and allowed to Who decided to, to leak question? it, by the way? If you're not going to tell me the other story, while you're thinking about how you're going to ask that question, who decided to leak it? The information. Why did you include it in the report? That's not a leak, sir. Why did you include it in the report? After not saying anything else about this, not publicly known. So two questions are hanging out that everybody's looking for an answer for, including me. Who ordered it? Was it you or was it Chairman Schiff? And then why was it decided, except for nothing but smear purposes, to be included in the Schiff report? Well, I, I'm not going to get into the deliberations of our investigation with you. And I will tell you the reason it was included in the report is because it, it, the calls were surrounding important evidence to our investigation. And I think that your question is, frankly, not better directed not at me, but at the people who were having conversations. Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to play that game. No, we're not going to play that game. You're, you're as good as Mr. Burke. You're not going to play that game. You're not answering the question. And every member of the media, everybody here, when you start going into the decorum of this house, when you start looking at members' telephone numbers, you start looking at reporters' telephone numbers, which they ought to be scared about, you took a subpoena for four. And then you decided to play match game. You found numbers that you thought were like, some of them actually didn't exist because you, they claimed that they were for the White House budget office, and they were not. So we're throwing stories out there because nobody was, nobody was out there acting. So I go back to my question. Are you going to go on record in front of everybody here today and say that you will not tell who ordered this, you or Mr. Goldman? Mr. Goldman, you or Mr. Schiff? I am going to go on record and tell you that I'm not going to reveal how we conducted this investigation. It's incredible. These, again, are the same people who demanded secret grand jury information that under statute should not be revealed. It's called 6E. That's the rule. Same people that demanded raw FBI notes called 302s, which you're not supposed to release publicly. Same committee went to court to get that information. A judge basically ruled they have a right to that information. And so in front of this same committee, when a Republican says, who ordered you? to match up those phone numbers with a congressman, with a reporter, and two of the president's private lawyers. First, we get gobbledygook about some model, and then he says, we're not going to get into our deliberations. And the reason is, folks, if you get into the deliberations of how Adam Schiff ran his investigation, it blows the Democrats out of the water, because the American people will be so thoroughly disgusted with him and what they did. That's why it's a big game of cover-up. A big game of cover-up on the Democrats. That's why they're in a rush. Partly. Not exclusively. Partly. And what do we have here? We have nothing here. We don't have any first-hand witness, no first-hand evidence of any crimes, of any violations. So they throw around the the phrase abuse of power. And these legal analysts who know nothing about the Constitution who haven't spent their lives studying and reading about the Constitution. They go on and say, impeachment is whatever the House says it is. That's not what the Constitution says. As Dershowitz said, and quite frankly, as I have said, they might get away with it, but that's not the Constitution. And Jim Jordan's all over it. Cut seven, go. 
They built their case around a lot of hearsay, didn't they? And the best example of the hearsay, surprisingly enough, is Ambassador Sondland. It's amazing. They built their case around this ambassador, and they built their case around hearsay. And the best example of both is Mr. Sondland, Ambassador Sondland, because he filed his addendum, his clarification, where he says this. We read this a couple weeks ago. We pointed this out a couple weeks ago. He says this in bullet point number two. In his clarification, he says, Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmouk on a September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. That's his clarification. Amazing. Six people, as I said before, having four conversations in one sentence. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmack on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. That's the clarification. That's their star witness who they built their case around. So-and-so tells so-and-so what somebody said to someone else, and there you have it. That's their case. They, they forget the four key facts. They forget the fact that we have the call transcript and there was no quid pro quo. They forget the fact the two guys on the call, President Trump and President Zelensky, have said repeatedly there was no pressure, no linkage, no pushing. They forget the fact Ukraine didn't even know aid was held at the time of the call. And they forget the fact, most important, they did nothing to get the aid released, no announcement of any type of investigation whatsoever. They forget all that, those, those key facts. And they build their case around the guy who had to clarify his... This is, this is, as I listen to Jordan, impeachment without an offense. Without a criminal offense, without a constitutional offense. This is an impeachment without an offense. And they stitch together these arguments to try and concoct some basis for what they're doing. It is so appalling. And finally, Matt Gates, cut eight, go. The last public opinion poll I saw showed Congress had an approval rating at about 9%. By contrast, Muammar Gaddafi had an approval rating at 13%, and his own people dragged him in the streets and killed him. This impeachment process demonstrates the worst in us, and it is depriving us the opportunity to raise our gaze and meet the needs of the American people. Unless you have bipartisan consensus, impeachment is a divisive issue in the country. Many people would think it's being done for political reasons. Nancy Pelosi, May 2018. And here we are in the most partisan presidential impeachment in American history. Matter of fact, when we opened the inquiry, no Republicans voted with the Democrats. And you even had Democrats vote with us in the only bipartisan vote to shut down this impeachment. And that brings us to your role, Mr. Goldman. Are you here as a partisan advocate for the Democrat position, or are you here as a nonpartisan investigator of the facts? I'm here to present the report that we did on our investigation, which was totally and completely reliant on the actual evidence that we uncovered, the witness testimony, and the documents. Are you a partisan? I'm not a partisan. Mr. Castro, how long have you worked for the House? Since 2005. And same question, Mr. Golden. For the House? Uh, since uh, earlier this year. Mr. Castro, do you make political donations? I don't remember any. Uh, Mr. Goldman, same question. Do you make political donations? I do, sir. I think it's very important. Matter of fact, you've, for, you've um, given tens of thousands of dollars to Democrats, right? Sir, I, I think it's very important to support candidates for office. I think our free Have you given federal, over 100,000 to Democrats? I, I just want to know the number. I don't really care the basis. Have you given more than 100,000 to Democrats? You don't care about it? The basis. I just want the number. So it's tens of thousands. I, I, I don't Burke, know the number. Do you know how much money Mr. Burke has given Democrats? I, I don't know, and I Would don't Would it surprise you if it's more than 100,000? 
Mr. Gates, I'm here to talk about this report. So, so you gave tens I'm of thousands, to to and Mr. Burke gave hundreds of, or more than 100,000. Do you think if you'd given more money, you might have been able to ask questions and answer them like Mr. Burke did? <laughs> I guess it's something you're still pondering. <laughs> and you know, the funny thing about this is that these hearings, the Democrats are getting the worst of it. They control the committees, they control the rules, they control the clock, they control the witnesses, they control the press, and they're getting the worst of it. I am so proud of these Republicans, you have no idea. And you know how unusual that is for me to say that? These House Republicans, ladies and gentlemen, have been spectacular. On the Intel Committee, on the Judiciary Committee, and as a general matter... They have stood together. They know what a farce this is. They know what an attack on our constitutional system this is. They have stood together. It's one of the proudest moments of the House Republicans since I've been alive. I'll be right back. Uh, Mr. Producer, had some. What, do you know what kind of illness you had Friday, Mr. Producer? Call, he started sounding like Carol Channing. He's doing Carol Channing imitations, but unintentionally. Deborah's home was stolen. I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. Now this story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. And it gets worse. She says I was evicted from my own home and 85 grand in equity was gone, stolen. Nobody believes you can get your stolen this easily, she said. But my friends, this is why you need to get a home title lock because no insurance or bank protects your home from title theft. First things first, go to hometitlelock.com HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't know it. Then you can sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And guess what? To get started, I got you 60 risk-free days of protection. It's well worth it. Please go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Eli Lake has a great piece out. Old buddy of mine, he writes a lot about national security, that the Democrats now uh, are the party of the surveillance state. And say what you will, he says, about the Horowitz report. It is absolutely devastating about that FISA application and their extensions. And the Democrats, many of them today, in and out of the media, I might add, are cheering, are cheering for the FBI in this regard. Now, I'm an FBI guy. I support the FBI, but not this. And the vast majority of the men and women in the FBI don't support it either. They have nothing to do with it. But the hacks at the highest levels and their mobsters had everything to do with it. And Eli Lake's point is that they have no problem, the Democrat Party, and again, I'll add the media, with the abuses that actually are stated in the Inspector General's report, 
And so it can be said now that the Democrat Party is the party of the surveillance state. And then when you look at Schiff, going through phone numbers and trying to match them up, you have to put people's names and numbers in there. You can't just match things up. With Nunes and John Solomon and Jay Sekulow and Rudy Giuliani. No problem at all. The rule of law, dead. This is exactly why these media outlets, these news aggregators, some so-called conservatives, some on the left, had no interest in hearing what Dershowitz had to say on my show last night. Instead, look at these sites. Look at the crap they have on these sites. Look at the crap, the two-headed snakes. Or whatever it is. You look at this media site, it's sophomoric. Bunch of young Democrats, punks, working for Baldy with the toupee, Dan Abrams. Comes and goes, you know, I'm a legal analyst. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I have almost, I don't think there's any legal analyst I have any respect for out there. Do you, Mr. Producer? I can't think of any. If I'm missing one or two, I apologize. I don't think I am. But I can't think of them all either right now, quite frankly. All right, who, do we have any irregular American on the line? We don't get many of them, do we? All right, let's have the best regular American. Go ahead. On the Mark Levin app, Jamie in California. Go. Oh, Mark, I'm thrilled to be talking to you. I'm, Thank I'm a you. big fan. I've been listening since 2009, and I've never called before. Thank you. This is great. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what? Take Jamie's phone number. I can't treat her this way, Mr. Producer. I'm quite serious. And we will call you tomorrow. I apologize. I misread the clock. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who protect us. Thank you. And I'll tell you about Barney. I'll give you an update tomorrow. He's with us. God bless you. Take care. Take care.